Our passage today um, is Acts 26. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to, get to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I, am not, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, friends. Peace be with you. Thank you. Hey, my name is Mark. Uh, I am one of the pastors here. 
Um, it is so great to see you on this holiday weekend. Sorry you're not at the lake, but glad that you're here with us today. So uh, we're going to have a good time. Hey, this summer, uh, we're in the middle of a series on, on evangelism that we're calling A Faith Worth Sharing. Today, we'll be talking about sharing our faith stories with others. Uh, last week, Cam talked about hospitality uh, as Jesus' preferred method to inviting people into his kingdom. And next week, uh, Cam is also going to be talking about the specifics of sharing the gospel message. Today's sermon is jammed right in the middle of that, right in the middle of the context of this series. Hospitality and relationship building is the way that we earn the right to share our stories and, and to learn other stories. And the details of the gospel message are what we pray people will experience and believe as our lives and stories invite them in to faith with Christ and faith in Christ. So will you pray with me before we get started? Lord, we, we invite the presence of your Spirit here with us today. We ask that we would look upon Jesus and, and, and thank him for, for writing our stories, for being the author and finisher of our faith. I pray that you would show each person here that they do have a story, that you would, that you would um, um, help them to see that with clearer light and clearer eyes, and uh, that you would encourage them in, in, in their calling to, uh, to, to, to share the story of their faith, to, to push back the darkness of this world, and to usher in the kingdom of, of, of you, Jesus, yourself. And so uh, we pray that you would bless our time. Um, amen. So here's what I want us to see today. Sharing your story of faith with others invites, others invites them to see God at work in their own story. Sharing your story of faith with others invites them to see God at work in their own story. So in my job, um, I'm involved in buying a lot of software products. Um, it's not that exciting, uh, but it's, uh, I hate being sold to. I just hate it. Like It's the thing I hate most in life. And software salespeople... And I'm sorry if you're a software salesperson, but they're just like a different kind of breed, all right? Uh, they make lots and lots of promises about revolutionizing your business, saving you millions of dollars, um, and making your life, at least your life at work, uh, better than you could ever imagine. Uh, the tricky part, though, about some of these products that, that you have to buy is that you can't really try them out on a trial basis just by the nature of, of how they work. So you just have to sign on the dotted line and hope that what they sold you is real. Right, and there's always a there's always a distance between what they promised and what they sold. Right, and after getting got once or twice, I've wisened up, and I don't take the bait anymore. I always demand a customer reference call every time. I make the salesperson find a customer like me, who is using our, their product and who loves it. The salesperson is not allowed to be on the call, and I get to talk to the customer who isn't getting paid, who's just taking time out of their day to tell me about something that has or hasn't changed their life. In the biz, in the software biz, they literally call these people product evangelists. There's no BSing, there's no salesmanship, just the story about how they've experienced the software that we're considering. Evangelism should be a customer reference call, right? Not the hard sale of a product that you're selling just to earn some commission in heaven. Instead, of, instead, your calling as a believer is to share your experience of Jesus with others so that they can imagine how he might transform their own story. So we're going to go through knowing our story, learning the stories of others, and then also sharing your story. The place to start, though, when thinking about sharing your story is knowing your own story. 
St. Augustine, he famously prayed, Lord, let me know myself so that I may know you. Really taking the time to know, wrestle with, and, and be able to articulate the ways that God has worked throughout your entire life. It's a key part of spiritual formation and maturity. And then to be able to see how those things led to your faith in Jesus, either for the first time or on an ongoing basis, is a powerful picture of, uh, for others of what Jesus can do. The use of story when sharing our faith is more important than ever in our world today. Um, in our post-Christian, relativistic, uh, hyper-individualistic culture, it's not difficult for people just to, out, to, to outright reject the concept of Christianity. But your story of faith the story of how God worked in your life to bring you to Jesus and give you new life is undeniable in our world right now. In our world today, your personal story has more credibility than the news itself. Like People can't deny it. And the most that they can do is just say that it's not for them. And we even see this credibility 2,000 years ago uh, from the personal story of Paul himself. We picked up our passage um, while Paul, he's in prison, but he's defending himself against the king, to the king against accusations from Jews that he's blaspheming and he's stirring up a bunch of trouble from all this preaching that he's doing about Jesus. And his story of faith from, from the beginning of his life to his conversion is foundational to his defense. And then he's just like Paul, he's even bold enough to try to convert King Agrippa to Christianity at the end of his testimony, right? And so what is Paul's story? Paul was originally known as Saul, and he was from a city called Tarsus, which was this place that was infused with Jewish and Roman and Greek influences. Uh, he was very well educated, and he was, extremely, he was an extremely zealous religious leader in the Jewish community. As a Pharisee, he was the strictest kind of Jew. He was meticulously devoted to the law. He watched everything he ate, everything he did, Everything he thought with the zeal that he self-proclaims outpaced all of his other peers in the religious community. He was so zealous, in fact, to weed out dissenters and to purify the Jewish religion, he turned to violence against Christians who he thought were corrupting Judaism. But Jesus sought out Paul, and Paul had a life-changing encounter with him. Paul goes from violently persecuting the enemy who embodies everything that he hates in the world to being a devout follower of Jesus. And he starts leading this religious movement of peace and becoming persecuted himself by the people that he used to be allied with. Paul has this almost unbelievable story of conversion. In his testimony, one of the Roman officials calls him crazy for how unbelievable his story is. And yet he uses it as the basis for his credibility when he's testifying in front of the king. We can learn a lot from Paul's telling of his story as we ask ourselves what our personal stories of faith are. I want to look at a few key questions that you can ask yourself as we reflect on the elements of story, of your personal story. So first, where did you come from? Question to ask yourself, where do you come from? Paul began his story at the beginning, his childhood and his heritage. Think about where you came from, how that influenced you, were you from a single-parent household? Was your family about performance and wealth? Is it hard for you right now even to articulate what a family even is, given the trauma or instability in your family of origin? 
as you think about your story, what about your religious exposure? Some of you grew up in homes that had kind of some marginal acknowledgement of faith. Others of you that are here had absolutely no exposure to Christianity except for some cultural, some cultural aspects that you knew about. And still others of you grew up in homes of faith that they showed you the importance of a life spent with Jesus. I want to say this. No matter your history, our role as followers of Jesus is not to judge the value of our stories. That role belongs to the author himself. And your story is valuable because Jesus is the author of every single one of your stories. Your role isn't to judge it, but to learn it. So you can rejoice in his work and then so you can share it with others. Some of you were saved at a young age. Um, you spent your life in the equivalent of Trinity Kids. Nobody here has yet, but 30 years from now, watch out. Some of you were saved at a young age and your life seems, you know, it seems to lack this like dramatic conversion narrative. But your story, it's a testament to the sustaining presence and power of God and, and the promise in, in Proverbs 26, that says, or the, the Proverbs 22, that says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Your story, too, has the hardships and struggles everyone in the world shares, telling of how the Lord has healed and cared for or sustained you shows others what life with Christ is like. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you might think that your story is just too shameful to share. But remember the woman at the well in John 4? She had a past full of shame and regret. And yet Jesus saw her and he loved her. And he used her to reveal his saving grace to an entire town. Regardless of your faith exposure, one common thread is that everyone wanted something outside of Jesus. And so that leads us to the next element of your story. What did you want? Maybe you wanted to achieve wealth and status to prove your worth. You know, Paul himself wanted status among the other religious leaders as he shares in his story. Or it could have been education, safety, an appealing life. Just want compliant kids, acceptance from your peers, whatever it is. Even as Christians today, we know and still experience many of these things. And so when you're thinking of your story and, and trying to construct the elements of your story, ask yourself how these desires have shaped you, how they shaped you then, and how they even shape you today. What is it that you wanted outside of Jesus? And so then that leads us to the question that Cam brought up last week and is one of the most important uh, in the evangelistic context. How's it working out for you? Like, how did that work? Uh, looking for fulfillment and success and family and love and pleasure and money. It might bring relief for a moment, um, but it won't last. We know this. Our culture is more depressed, more lonely, and more hopeless than ever. When recalling your story, think about what came from your pursuit outside of Jesus and the brokenness that it brought. You know, for my friend, for example, who poured his whole life into work, it took getting everything he ever wanted to find out that the fulfillment he desired wasn't even at the top of the mountain that he was climbing. I know some of you have the opposite stories. The things that you followed pushed you, the things that you wanted, they pushed you so deep into the valley and brought you lower than you could have ever imagined. But whether or not you ended up at the top or the bottom in the world's eyes, all of our stories, they intersect at the same event, which is an encounter with Jesus. 
This is the crescendo of Paul's story, right? Jesus literally knocks him to the ground and calls him into a new life with him. If you've got a red-letter Bible, for those of you who still carry the Bible in a church here, if you've got the red-letter Bible where Jesus talks, it's kind of striking, actually, to see Jesus' words this late in the New Testament. But there he is, personally chasing down Paul, and he was personally chasing down you in the same way by his Spirit. It was the Spirit working in your life, like as Jesus says, an unexpected wind blowing you towards your, your, your coming encounter with him. For some of you, your encounter with Jesus, it was sudden and it was emotional. And for the others, it was a long and gradual process. You know, I once had a friend with no faith background from a culture that had almost no Christianity call me and call me one day, he said, picked up the phone, he said, hey, I want to become a Christian. What do I do? Like sudden, emotional. I was like, all right, let's do it. And then another friend of mine, he had you know, just broken up with his girlfriend. He'd been fired from his job. He was bottoming out in his life. And after months of conversations, I was getting a little exhausted. He said he was finally done running from God. He told me that he was a new man of Jesus, and he got baptized a few months later. But then we've also seen so many people here at Trinity that their encounter with Jesus is slower and quieter. You know, they decided, like, it's probably time to start coming to church uh, because they're feeling unfulfilled and they realize they don't have to figure it out. Or they just, honestly, they just had a kid and they realized just how unprepared for life they were, and so they're looking for help. And they felt this nagging desire from the Spirit that they were missing something. And as the Spirit lit the candles in their heart, and the room brightened for them over a period of months or even years, they eventually found themselves in love with Jesus, and they turn around and they see that they're believing him fully and following him. The, the common thread in all these stories then, though, is like this belief in Jesus and then a transformed life. You know, it's kind of remarkable, and maybe it's just like definitional, that like all stories of faith, 100% of stories of faith, like lead to a transformed life. That, that's that's a, it's a really important part of the story. And it's, it's not a perfect life. It's like really important. It's not a constantly improving morality with no looking back. But it's a new life, right? It's a new life with a new hope in Christ. So the final element of your story you should think through is like, how has your life been transformed? How have your desires, your habits, your experience of life changed since your encounter with Jesus? How are you experiencing God's love and faithfulness today? Even what is the struggle you're experiencing now, and how has your hope in Christ carried you through? Because your faith story, it doesn't end at conversion. Your, your faith story continues up to today. Recently, I was spending time with someone who was asking me for some career advice and how I handle the stress of work and maintain a work-life balance. Uh, there's a lot of ways that I could have answered him. You know, I could have talked about turning off my phone or setting boundaries, having a hobby. You know, worldly answers, right? But instead, I told him how it's a struggle for me, how it's really difficult for me to will, my, will myself to separate work and personal life in a healthy way. And then I told him how my new life with Christ is transforming my addiction to work and productivity, how I've learned that my identity in Jesus can free me from my identity in work and success, and how prayer and my faith community encourage that wholeness in my life that I was missing while I was trying to do it on my own. 
I re- my answer really struck him, and, and we were able to talk more about his history of faith and what he wanted out of spirituality. I've been a Christian for, I don't know, over 20 years, but I wouldn't have given that answer five years ago because every day I've gotten to learn more about my story and experience firsthand how life with Jesus is way, way better than life without him. So we have to know our own stories. And in order to share our stories effectively, we need to learn to listen as much as we speak. So learning other stories. You know, some of us come from a tradition uh, where evangelism is kind of taught as this one-way street. Um, It's all about winning a chance to say, the gospel at someone, and then you walk away, you feel good about your doing your spiritual duty for the day. But we gain a little bit of wisdom if we read James 1, where James tells us everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And love and genuine interest, our relationship should be built on the mutual sharing of stories with others. There's a lot of wisdom in understanding someone else's story, even in the context of sharing your own faith. Also, It's like never a bad idea to talk about everyone's favorite topic, which is themselves, right? So everyone's an expert on that, right? And like I talked about before, their story is a truth that no one can take away from them. When learning the stories of friends or coworkers or neighbors or even your family, by the way, we can apply the same framework that we did when understanding our own stories, right? Where did they come from? What was their family of origin? Did they have a religious upbringing? Was their experience positive? What kind of things did their family value? Success or happiness or loyalty? Ask someone, what do they want? It's Jesus' favorite question. What do you want? People will tell you pretty easily their life goals and their dreams. They're pretty open to share it. They'll talk about peace or wealth or family, happiness, mental health. And they'll happily also, by the way, tell you how they're going to achieve it. It's like through love or Yoda, or not Yoda, (laughs) through Star Wars, whatever, you know. Heard it all. Uh, Also yoga, um, meditation, you know, drugs, money, independence, whatever it is. People are really happy to tell you what they want and how they're doing it. But then how's it working out, right? Sometimes people also just freely tell you about how their attempts to find fulfillment are working out for them. But most of the time, that's going to take another question or two on your part. Um, You might be surprised, too, how quickly you can learn about someone uh, by asking those next questions of how, how things are working out. So, for example, I once had a coworker tell me that the only thing that mattered in life to him was his family. So I dug a little more and I asked him what made his family, um, what made him so attached to his family. And then, to my surprise, uh, he started to share with me about how his wife was pregnant, um, that they were having complications, and then they had just recently miscarried as well. And then he looked at me and he said, what do you think happened to my miscarried baby? I'm like, do you think that I'll ever meet him? Right there in the alleyway behind my old office where the smokers hung out, right? We, uh, more questions led to a deeper relationship and, uh, and an availability to have like a deeper spiritual conversation. It can open the doors to more understanding and, and, and a deeper relationship with someone. And so while you're learning someone's story, many times there's going to be part of their story that sticks out to you. Um, and that will invite you to ask more questions. Or maybe it'll remind you of, part of a part of your story where, where, they can, where you can show them a picture of what God has done for you and what, might, what he might be able to do for them. 
That's the Spirit telling you, when those things stick out to you, that's the Spirit telling you, pay attention. I'm trying to work here. Pay attention. I want to bring you in. Listen and notice that God is already at work in the other person. It's crazy. And listen, I've, I think this too. I'm like, I'm here. Uh, time to get to work. And it's crazy to think that he's just started work on someone the day that you showed up in their lives. That's wild, right? But I think it all the time. I'm like, oh, thank God that I'm here, right? But watch though, right? Watch for how he's been calling them as they tell you their story, putting people in their lives, protecting them, right? As Trinity shared, the way that he's protecting them and allowing them to see, that, uh, allowing them to share with you and, and to see the things that they desire that are not fulfilling them. Like that God will allow people to see that in their own lives. And then, and only then, as you learn their story, you'll be able to better share your story in a way that invites them to see what God might have for them. And so finally, this leads us to sharing our stories. This is an evangelism series, after all, right? We can do all the spiritual formation we want, and we want to do a lot of it, but we're about sharing our stories, too. You have a story, um, a story of faith that God has uniquely crafted in each and every one of you. Your story holds power. It is powerful, the power to encourage, to bring hope, and above all, to invite others to see the saving grace of Jesus himself. When you tell someone about God's faithfulness in your life, you give others a chance to wonder what it might look like in their lives, and it might just make them pause and consider just for a second, maybe there's something to Jesus after all. You know, you're not alone in this either. Jesus promised to be with us by his spirit. You know, when he, sent out the, when he sent out the disciples just before he ascended into heaven during the Great Commission, he said, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The spirit, he guides our words and our steps and our stories. It's the spirit who gives you words to say while you're telling your story, just like he did for the disciples in the book of Acts. And it's, not, it's the spirit, not you, who opens the eyes of those who are in darkness. He's just thrilled to bring you along for the ride. So my encouragement to, this, to you is this. Just first, know your story. See God's hand in it. Second, learn from other stories. Find those threads of shared experience, of shared brokenness, and a, and a shared hope for more. And watch for how the Spirit is working in them already. And then most importantly here, share your story. You can practice telling your story of faith, by the way, to your friends or, or to your community group. Um, once every one or two years, we'll have everyone in our group share their story of faith and share their life story. It's a really practical way to like, get to know each other, but it's also a way for us to practice that muscle of, of seeing what God has done in our lives. And also, by the way, giving others a chance to affirm um, and build up the things that they see that God is doing and has done in you. And then share your story with people who don't know Jesus. It'll look different every time you share, right? Sometimes it'll just be sharing a moment in your life where God brought healing or wholeness. And other times it will be like your whole life story. But the important thing is to respond to the opportunity to share about what God has done and is, is doing in you. And throughout all this, my encouragement is to pray. Pray for the Spirit to give you wisdom. I think it was Cam or Jeremy one or two weeks ago that was like, you can pray like while you're talking to people, like just ask the Spirit, he's there. Pray for him to give you wisdom and to courage to share your story effectively and authentically. Pray for those who will hear your story, how that might touch their hearts and lead them closer to Jesus. Just remember, sharing your stories is, is much more than just recounting the facts from a past event. 
It's about opening up our lives. It's, it's that practice of hospitality that Cam talked about last week. It's about showing others and inviting them into the ongoing work of grace in us and inviting them to experience that same love, grace, and transformation in their own lives. It's about saying, look what Jesus has done for me. He can do the same for you. Because it's about Jesus. It's also just like a key, it's like an important thing to remember here when sharing your story is to always point to the divine, not to the worldly. Our stories aren't about us pulling ourselves up by the, our bootstraps or the power of positive thinking. It can be really easy to like kind of pattern match with somebody when you're sharing their story. Like, yeah, like, you know, meditation or, you know, whatever. But it's like, this is the part that actually can get a little bit of offensive to our culture, right? The soul transformation we experience only comes through a relationship with Jesus. That's like a really important thing to remember in your story. This isn't like anything else that the world can offer. It's really important that we lovingly show others, don't be a jerk about it, that the life we're experiencing is only accessible to them through faith in Jesus. It's like the most accessible thing in the world through the one way of Jesus, right? And it's a uniquely Christian kind of transformation. And then we get to share that gift with others. It's about inviting them in to the gift that we've been given. And so as we close, just take a moment Think again about your story of faith. What has God done in your life? How is he working in you right now? And how can you share your story with others? And I pray that we all have the courage to tell our stories, to invite others into our lives, and then to appoint them to the extraordinary love of Jesus that we've gotten to experience. Sharing your story has real spiritual power to push back the darkness and, and bring others to the light of Jesus. In Revelation 12, it says that the saints triumphed over Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And sharing our stories with Jesus, we're not only inviting others into the love of Christ, we are joining also in a great cloud of witnesses, triumphing over darkness and shining forth the light of Christ. Your story, it matters, it has power, it has meaning. It's written by Jesus himself, how could it not? And it's a way that he's chosen to advance his kingdom in this world. It's how we can show others what life with Christ could actually look like for them. It's a window into the kingdom and life with Jesus. So as we go this week, let's ask God for opportunities to share our stories, and then also for the courage to take those opportunities. Let's pray for those around us, that our story might invite them into God's grand narrative, leading them towards their own transformation, their own life-changing encounter with Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your, your goodness, as we sang, your, your faithfulness and providence towards us the way that you've cared for us even before we knew you, that, uh, that, that, you, that you had a plan for our lives. There's not a day in our, in our lives that was already not written in your book beforehand. I pray for, for everyone here that, that, you would, that you would plant the seeds in their own heart to, to know and to learn their story. We pray that our stories would be such a reflection of your goodness that they'd be too good to not believe. 
that, we, that they would be something that, that the world wants to be true. The gospel is something that we want, to, that the world should want to be true because it's such good news and because it has done such a work in us. So we pray for courage and for clarity. We pray for community. We pray that people would, that our people would know that this is not a solo act. This is not working on commission for heaven, but this is, this is a group, uh, a group effort a working community where we testify together with all the saints as a great cloud of witnesses and push back against the darkness, that the blood of the Lamb has covered us, and that the word of our testimony is powerful to bring others to Jesus, that he has saved us and brought us into a new life with him. So we pray for your blessing on this church today. Holy Spirit, lead us and, and guide us um, that, we might be, that we, we might be able to authentically and effectively share the stories of faith that you've given us with others. Amen.